welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a couple of bedtime stories. Before we begin, I want to remind you again that for the entire month of August, I will be featured on The Creepy Podcast, and those stories do not appear on this channel. They're all original stories by me, and you won't see them here, so go to The Creepy Podcast. You can see it wherever you get your podcasts. And this week's episode was so much fun. It's about an influencer who was offered a free cruise and, well horror ensues. It's a found footage as well, so if you're into that genre, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called The 80s, and the other one is called Powerless, and they're both very different stories. So again, go check out The Creepy Podcast. There's also a new episode of my other show, Historic Hangouts, and we're back after our hiatus. I apologize for the break, the un- unannounced break, and we discuss the Birdcage Theater in Tombstone, Arizona. It's quite an off-the-rails episode, so if you're looking for some chaos in your life, please go check out Historic Hangouts, again, wherever you get your podcasts. This week, I have for you two tales. This first is by Connie Lee, whose other story you may remember from the show, Helen's Hickory. Connie is a writer professionally and creatively from Southern California. When she's not working or coming up with a new story, she loves watching and reviewing the newest movies and shows, trying new foods, and spending time with her cats and family. This week she has for us, The Melville Theater. Death leaves a heartache no one can heal. Love leaves a memory no one can steal. An Irish headstone. To most, the Melville Theater wasn't remarkable. Built in the 1920s, its remnants were a display of a world long gone, Inside, the once plush velvet seats had turned flat and hard with time. The great tales from Greek mythology that had been painted onto the walls and ceiling weren't visible anymore. Odysseus's journey had come to an end, having been covered with layers upon layers of vulnerable yellows. The outside was no different. There were no gaggles of teenagers lined up against the brick wall their laughter filling the air as they itched to see the latest Valentino. Parents no longer dropped off their young children for the day, with jingling pockets of pennies and nickels. All that was left was a run-down ticket booth, a homeless man named Henry who had claimed the theater sidewalk, a giant marquee that occasionally had misspelled film names and featured nothing past 1985. For Sean, though, who had been staring at the late-night adult call services posters pasted up on the brick wall on another cold November night. The Melville had always been everything. The Melville was where Sean and his dad had spent practically all their quality time. His dad showed him all the pre-code films that he loved to watch as a child, and Sean declared that he wanted to be just like John Gilbert. It had even been their place of refuge when Sean's mom left them when he was ten, and his dad was trying to get back on his feet after being laid off from his job of twenty years. Even as an adult, Sean made sure they spent as much time together as they could at the Melville. 
They no longer rode in the same car to the theater or went out for dinner after. But for Sean, just having his dad next to him was enough. He'd love to watch his dad laugh, each of the silver teeth hiding behind his canines, reflecting in the dusty gray and white projector light. These moments gave him the same warmth and happiness that they did when he was a child. He walked over to the theater's entrance, his eyes traveling up to the marquee. Couples and single stragglers passed him by to the ticket booth as he stood and smiled to himself. The marquee read in huge, bright red letters, Dr. No. Dr. No was one of his dad's favorites, so Sean made sure they wouldn't miss it. Hey kid, got a cigarette? He didn't have to turn to see where the scratchy voice came from. No, Henry. Still don't smoke. What's with young people these days? Your dad always used to be good for a smoke. The little white-haired man stood up, rearranged his blankets on the sidewalk, and plopped back down on them. He groaned as he forced one leg to cross the other. I've been missing that man a lot more lately. Who? Your dad. Sean turned his smile towards Henry, his eyes fixing on the old man's. Why? He just saw you last week. (laughs) The old man chuckled, only stopping when he searched Sean's smile and saw he wasn't joking. The shadows from the street lamps darkened Sean's wrinkled forehead and eyes as he leaned slightly to one side from the heavy backpack slipping off his shoulder. But Henry could still see that the young man's eyes never left his. Finally, Henry had to turn away first. Gotta run and get our seats, Sean said, checking his watch and hitching his backpack back on. I'll let my dad know you said hi. Sean rushed, not seeing Henry's nervous nod goodbye. He grunted, whipping his bag around and dug through the front pocket for a crumpled $20 bill. The cashier in the ticket booth eyed him. She had been talking to the usher when he walked up, and now she tapped her fingernails against the counter, waiting for him. Hey, nice to see you again. Can I get two for Dr. No? The usher responded with a familiar smile and wave as Sean placed his money onto the counter, but the cashier didn't respond. She grabbed his $20 and handed him the printed tickets. She grimaced as he excitedly rushed inside the theater. With Hollywood's super rich coating of the kind you like best. They taste wonderful. They're delicious. They're nutritious. Get one at our confection counter in the lobby now. Inside, the lights had already dimmed. The only luminescence came from the rolling preview reel, casting gritty reds, yellows, and greens onto the faces in the audience as they settled into the rigid seats. Whispered chatter and rustles from popcorn bags filled the room as Sean made his way to his usual seat. Fifth row from the front, second to the last seat on the right. The end seat was his dad's, meant for non-disruptive bathroom breaks and easy snack bar visits. Sean rustled through his bag, taking out a blanket and everything he needed to make their seats comfortable. 
He whipped his head around to search the entrance of the dark, sprawling theater, causing rusty springs underneath his seat to creak and cry. All he could see was the outlines of people's heads as they trickled in. His dad wasn't there yet, but Sean knew they'd be together again soon. Just as he turned back around and finished setting up, the preview reel went black, and the usher shut the theater's doors. The whispers stopped, and for a few moments, everyone was frozen in time, enclosed in intoxicating anticipation as the film projector above their heads whirred on. In a flash, the room roared as James Bond appeared, shooting a single shot through the view of a gun barrel. Sean clapped and cheered with everyone else, but his real joy came when he looked next to him and saw the same silver-toothed smile shining at him. He leaned over and whispered loudly over the film's opening chorus, Dad, I told you I'd make sure you saw Dr. No again. The soothing heaviness of his dad's arm on his told Sean that his dad was just as happy to see him. Throughout the film, Sean's whispers and laughter grew louder and louder as he constantly leaned his head to speak into his dad's ear. Suddenly, a man's deep voice from the back echoed through. Hey, you two in the front, can you shut up? Oblivious, Sean continued his conversation. Dude, I'm talking to you. Keep your mouth shut. After a few more tries to no avail, the man the voice belonged to shot up out of his seat and stomped his way down to the front row. Even in the darkness, everyone could tell where this rough staccato steps were leading to. How many times do I have to tell y'all to keep your mouth shut? Futuristic whirring and red flashes from the abandoned area sign in the film's climax engulfed the man's senses as he approached the fifth row. He stopped in front of Sean's dad's seat, his eyesight unable to break through the loud reds, blacks, and smoky gray that pulsed through the room. Once the room brightened up enough again, he looked down and finally saw what he'd been shouting at. His narrowed eyes widened all the way to his hairline. Below him, Sean struggled like a child who had just gotten caught being naughty on a playground. Stop! Get away from here! Sean yelled as he struggled to cover the seat next to him. But the man couldn't turn away. Instead of finding Sean and the person he couldn't stop talking to, the man found a blanket folded neatly on the antiqued velvet. On top sat part of a decayed torso, the blackened skin dressed in a half-buttoned flannel, the eyeless head slumped over, its drippings falling in tendrils across the top of the seat. Its protruding mouth forced the man to stare at the silver teeth that rested on both sides. Leave my dad alone. Stop looking. The man's feet started to back up themselves. His shrieks filled everyone's ears. Someone help. He has a dead body. He pleaded over and over. People stood from their seats, trying to see the action. Some even moved closer, thinking it was all a prank. Until... 
They inhaled the stench wafting through the air and saw Sean wailing, trying to cover the rotting pieces. Don't you dare come closer. Sean sobbed to the growing crowd. You're all ruining this for us. Hearing the commotion, the cashier and the usher rushed through theater doors and followed everyone's stairs until they broke through the group that had formed around Sean. Oh my god! The cashier gagged at the grisly sight before pulling out her phone to dial 911. While on hold, she rounded up some of the crowd and got them to move out of the theater. Help! She whispered sharply to the usher. I never thought he would do something like this! The usher cautiously tried to coax Sean away from the body. Please, sir, you have to come outside with us now. No. This is all we have. Why do you want to take this away from us? Sean's wails continued as sirens screamed outside. Even when he was finally pried and dragged away, no one noticed that the slumped, silver-speckled mouth was still smiling as the credits ended and the film turned black. In it were all the secrets of the Melville that only Sean and his dad would ever know about. And last up this evening, I have for you a story by Olivia Valdez. Olivia is a stop-motion filmmaker based in LA. You can follow her work on Instagram at Olivia Marie Valdez, or find more of her writings on Patreon at patreon.com slash Mina1818. Seriously, check out her work. It's stunning and horrific and so original. Stop motion is like magic to me. It's one of my favorite forms of animation, and I'll link those in the show notes so you can go find her. This week, Olivia has for us Grandma's Not Well. My grandma had only been in the resident's home here in Florida for a little over a month. It's close by, about a five minute drive. I decided to move her there and out of my house since her dementia was getting worse. I just couldn't look after her myself anymore. I initially took her in about a year ago. I quit my job as an HVAC tech to become her full-time caretaker. Since then, every day has been a battle. Probably gonna get hate for saying this, but my life doesn't matter anymore. Only hers. The things that make me happy. Skyrim, lifting. Yeah, I don't do those things anymore. Not for about a year now. There's so much I regret now. There's so much I should have done before I started taking care of her. I could have had a girlfriend or joined a bowling league. I don't fucking know. I don't like bowling, but knowing I could have joined a bowling team, that's the kind of thing I took for granted. The option to do something, to be someone. Now, I'm only a sponge in an old lady's bath. Anyway, I love her, so I did the best I could. After all, it was just the two of us left in the family. When mom died, we had no one else, just each other. 
So I took her in, and she got bad pretty quick. It's so strange how the mind reverts back to a childlike state as you get older. At the onset of her disease, she loved to scare people. She'd hide around corners and pop out shouting, Boo! with her hands outstretched as I approached. It annoyed the hell out of me. I'm a jumpy person as is, so I had to ignore the fight instinct when she'd jump out. Grandma would start to say that she knew everyone too. Oh, George Clooney. Yes, he's from Antonito, my town. I think it gave her something to contribute when she wasn't sure what was going on in a conversation. Oh, they're from Antonito. I was pretty much able to say it with her, predicting when she'd want to say it. So yeah, I started with playful things like that. Then came the imaginary people. Cousin Linda came over today. She said hello. We never had a cousin Linda, and I know no one came by. Then, the imaginary situations. Senor Lopez says he's in love with me. Our happily married neighbor most likely did not say that to my sweet old grandma. It was frustrating. I didn't know how to tell her all this shit was in her head. I usually just opened a beer, poured her some wine, and said, That's not true, grandma. You're wrong. As gently as I could, I'd kiss her head and hoped her imagination would settle down for the night. Then, she started running away. I'd find her at the neighbor's house. After looking all over for her, under the beds, in the bushes, outside, checking if the car was gone, panicking that the worst had happened. But she was just at the neighbor's. The whole damn time, or more humiliating, Mr. Lopez would bring her back home himself. I'd be so embarrassed telling him it won't happen again, knowing damn well it would. I don't know what imaginary situations she was feeding him, But he began to really resent me. How dare he mistrust me? I'm the only one taking care of my grandma. I don't see him brushing her teeth. After enough empty threats to call the police, I figured he'd just be happy if she was gone. I could handle all that well enough on my own. I've always been a fighter. What I can't handle is this demon she's been talking about. She says it comes to her when I'm not around. She's terrified of this thing, practically shakes when she tells me about it. Glowing red eyes, long black claws, sharp white teeth, pointy horns. She's always been a deeply religious woman, so I figured all that demon talk was coming from somewhere deep in her beliefs. But the worst part was, I started to find bruises all over her body, around her wrists, even around her neck. In the bath the other day, I thought I saw a scratch across her stomach. God damn it. It's so sad. She's hurting herself now. How can I deal with that? Restrain her whenever I'm not in the room? No. I tried locking her door at night. The only benefit of that was I got a full night's sleep for once. Maybe locking her in there with herself was the worst idea. I'd go get my grandma out of bed in the morning and she'd be laying there, shivering, with her eyes wide open, staring into the distance, clutching her sheets to her chin. He was there, Hito. He's gonna get me. Now I was getting scared. I didn't want her hurting herself anymore. Who knows how bad it could really get 
if I didn't get her some real help. So, I took her there, to the resident's home about five minutes away. If Saturdays are for the boys, then Sundays are for Grandma. I go there every Sunday at noon on the dot. We have lunch together, and I tell her stories. Sometimes I like to make up a story about my latest internet crush. I tell my grandma how we've met, fallen in love, how she can't picture anyone in her life but me, how I make her so happy. I haven't really had time to date, so it's fun to fantasize. My grandma would ask, any boyfriends or girlfriends eat though? I wanted to reply with, how could I? I'm always with you. But I never did. Instead, I smiled, held her hand, and made something up. Grandma usually just sat there, smiling, nodding, and reacting along to whatever tale I told her. She's a happy one, Grandma. She always greeted me with a big hug, usually thinking I'm another relative or old friend or someone else. But that day was different. To start, it was a Monday. I don't usually see her Mondays now, but I got a call from her facility. Mr. Amaro? Yes? It's Stephanie with Sunshine Living Residence Home. I'm calling about your mother. My grandma, you mean. Mom's dead. What did she do? No, no, she's fine, but she's been asking for her family all morning. You're the only kin I have on file, so I thought I'd see if you were free. Are you able to visit her today? She seems a little lonely and could use the company. Her light, cheery voice made the suggestion sound like a treat. It wasn't in my plans for the day, but what else am I going to do? I hadn't gotten my job back yet. I was probably going to sit and drink and watch TV. I can do all those things next to Grandma anyway. Yeah, no problem. Happy to. When I showed up, she was shaking in her chair. The courtyard was busy with other visitors and staff shuffling about. But Grandma was alone. She did look lonely and deeply worried. Her eyebrows were knitted and her mouth was in a frown. Her brown skin looked an abnormal pale yellow. Oh God, Grandma, are you okay? You told me he couldn't get me here, Father. You told me he couldn't get here. Her dad was never in the picture, so I realized she thought I was her priest. What are you saying, Grandma? El demonio, father. She thrust out her arm to reveal a handprint-shaped bruise wrapped around her tiny forearm. I grabbed her wrist and held it to her face and said firmly, Who did this to you? Who? The demon, father. She repeated, Jesus. I sighed and dropped her hand. These motherfuckers. I looked around at the orderlies walking about the courtyard. These motherfuckers, I swear to God. Fuck Florida, man. It's practically lawless here. These fuckers can get away with everything. Mistreating the elderly? I'm gonna fucking kill them. I had heard of nightmare places like this, with the staff abusing their power over the old and vulnerable. I thought I had done enough research. Apparently not. My grandma was shaking and tears were rolling down her face at this point. She looked so frail and weak and she was scared. 
I grabbed her by the shoulders and bent down to try to look her in the eyes. She kept staring at the ground. Listen, I'm gonna handle this, okay? I shook her a little to get her attention. I'm gonna handle this. No response. I shook her a little more forcefully this time. She finally met my eyes. Okay? Grandma started to pee herself, right there in the middle of the courtyard, residents and staff everywhere. Jesus, Grandma! I could feel little splashes around my flip-flops. I jumped back and hollered for some help. She was shaking more now, crying more intensely, no doubt intensified by the embarrassment. I'm so sorry, Ito. I'm so sorry. She cried. I guess she knew it was me now. Please don't be mad, mijo. An orderly approached and placed an arm on her shoulder. I stepped towards them, eyeing them up and down, making sure they could feel my presence and mistrust. They gave me an awkward smile and turned Grandma in the direction of her room. I followed the two of them to her room and waited outside the door while they got her cleaned up, being sure to stay alert in case I heard Grandma in distress. While waiting there, I hatched a plan. Once the orderly left, I kissed Grandma and told her I'd be back. I went to the front desk and signed out for the day, smiling at the receptionist. She barely looked up from her book. I made a show of patting my pockets and acting like I was searching for something. Oh, my wallet. (laughs) Must have left it in Graham's room. (laughs) Fabio must have been in the heat of it because she didn't even look up at my comment. I hurried back to Grandma's room, sneaking around the corners, trying to avoid the staff and any cameras. As I was passing the kitchen, I thought I'd grab a weapon. If whoever was hurting Grandma got violent, I needed to be prepared. I wasn't in the shape I used to be, after all. I made it back to her room and slipped into her unlocked door. Grandma was already dressed for bed and under the covers. Senor Lopez. I guess I was our neighbor. I ignored her misidentification and hugged her and kissed her hello. Are you okay, Grandma? Did they hurt you? She smiled back at me, vacantly, and said nothing. Useless to question her, she sat back in bed and turned on her TV. I laid on the ground and rolled under her bed. It would be a while till the next orderly check-in, so I made myself comfortable. I must have fallen asleep because I woke up to the sound of my grandma praying in the bed above me in the darkness. With the TV off and in the stillness of the night, Grandma's whispers seemed ominous. I wondered if I had missed the orderly check-ins. I was facing the wall, so I rolled over to look out at the room. There, right next to me, under the bed with me, were red, glowing eyes. The demon's human-like body was long and contorted to fit the space. With its stomach on the ground, its back leg reached over its shoulder, elbows pointed out on either side of its body. Its claws propped up its chest slightly as they dug into the floor below. Its pointy horns gently pierced the mattress above. I was frozen in fear, and it was staring back at me. With a taunting smile, its teeth glistened, the drool dripping from its mouth. 
In a hiss, it whispered, She's mine. Then, crawled out from underneath the bed. It unfolded itself into a standing position. I could see its ankles as it stood there, watching my grandma. My grandma's whispered prayers erupted into horrifying screams as the demon lunged at her, slashing her with its claws. Blood sprayed on the wall opposite me and puddled onto the floor before me. I could hear the sound of slashing like a knife being sharpened over and over again, followed by the cries of my grandma, pleading for the thing to leave her alone. Por favor, perdóname. Slash, slash. Screaming her prayers through gargled breaths, the demon growled and cackled, slash. Blood formed a dark circle in the mattress above me, then dripped onto my face. I blacked out. All went dark and silent. When I came to, I was standing over my grandma's bed, staring at a bloody mess of sheets that I assumed was her body, with a knife in my hand. I was covered in blood. Orderlies burst in, followed by cops. I've been arrested. I assume I'll rot in jail. Probably should, if I'm the demon, after all. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much to my two authors this week, Connie Lee and Olivia Valdez. Both of your stories were... Somehow I felt like they went together. I can't put my finger on what it was, but something about the twists at, both the, at the ends of both of them felt copacetic. I don't know what it is. Maybe someone can explain it to me. But <laughs> thank you so much for your stories, and I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you're new to the show from Creepy, which I've been getting a lot of new listeners from over there. John is a saint, and I can't thank him enough. But if you're new to the show, obviously this show is a little different than Creepy. I read all the stories. It's more like someone just reading you bedtime stories. And if you'd like to know more or follow the show along, you can find me on social media at Scare You to Sleep on Twitter and Instagram. And there's a Facebook group, a very active Facebook group, may I add. You guys are so active. It's been great. You put together an amazing, a super fun movie night last last Saturday. Yeah, August 5th, the Saturday the 5th. And we watched Evil Dead Rise together on the voice chat. And it was just a blast. It was so great to hang out with all of you. And I, again, I really appreciate the people from the Facebook group put, who put that together. Thank you. If you have a story you'd like me to read on the show, you can submit it to scaryyoutosleep at gmail.com. And again, to my new listeners, I am a one-man show, a one-woman show, and I don't have a team or anything, so please excuse me if, you, if I don't get to your submission very quickly. I have a lot of submissions, luckily, but I'm only one person, and so it takes me a little while to get to them. Um, what else can I say? I feel like I need to be welcoming people every single week. <laughs> 
I also have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash scary to sleep, you can get this show for as little as a dollar a month ad free. And then starting at $3 and up, you get bonus episodes. So if you'd like the show ad free, go over to Patreon. And I thank all my patrons. And let's see. Oh, another thing, new people, if you're here, I do a little thing at the end of my show called a ramble. Um, I don't do it for my creepy episodes because it's not really John's style, but I do a ramble at the end of each episode where I decompress, talk about my life, talk about my week, and just kind of let us all drift off into dreamland or just kind of chill out and feel a little less afraid after those very scary stories. And honestly, this week, I don't have much to talk about. I've mostly been working. I... I basically work. I haven't even been, I haven't had time to go to the gym. I did do a little baking. If you're keeping up with baking, I did that white bread recipe again that I mentioned, I believe last week. And it, again, just phenomenal. It was great. And the recipe has you divide the dough. This time I just put it all in a nine by five um, loaf pan and cooked it a little lower heat, a little bit longer time. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And you end up with this big, like cartoonishly big, beautiful loaf of bread. It literally looks like bread from a cartoon (laughs) and it smells heavenly. Absolutely. It makes your whole house smell amazing. Every time I open the little container, I keep it in. It's just like, I want to inhale it for days. Um, I also made peanut butter chocolate chip cookies. I'm not even going to give you the recipe. It was kind of lackluster. I used, I used a certain recipe. I'm not going to, um, besmirch the recipe maker, but, um, they just, it's like they didn't, they lacked flavor. (laughs) It was, it was just weird. You know, every once in a while you come across a dud recipe and that's okay. Uh, so don't ask me for that one. I, I tell you all the time, feel free to ask me for recipes. I won't send you that one because it just wasn't very good. I can, it something about it. It was, it just didn't have much flavor. And I don't understand why with the ingredients that went into it. I don't know. Anyway, moving on, let's not dwell on bad recipes, shall we? You heard up top, for those of you who listen to Historic Hangouts, there is a new episode. Yes, we did take a week off on accident. We both, uh, between Midsummer Scream and I have, you know, two episodes a week now to put out between me and Creepy and other things. I'm working on Skin Crawl as well, my um, almost announced project. It's been kind of announced, but it just, we don't have a date yet that we're going to be releasing it. So between all that, I've just been sort of busy and my co-host has also been very busy with work and he's on this very big project. I don't know if I can talk about what he does or I think I can talk about what he does, but I can't talk about what his projects are. Plus, you're not here for that. You're not here for him. (laughs) All right. um, I think that's all. I've been rambling kind of a lot. I don't have again. I just I've been working. There's just not much to say. I hope this was good, though. I hope you have an excellent weekend. Why don't you remember to drink your water, wear your sunscreen if you're going out, um, go get some sleep, and sweet dreams.